At this time, uh, we'll do the uh, scripture reading. If you want to turn there with me, it's in Matthew chapter 28. I'll be reading verses 1 through 20. That's Matthew 28, and I'll be reading the entire chapter, 1 through 20. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders, and de devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, uh, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, he will satis we will s satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, as the story has been widely circulated among the the Jews to this very day. Uh, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word here this morning. Way back in the old days when dust was young, I was in Bible college and uh, we would have these missionaries that would come to a missionary conference and there were tons of them. And, and some of them got um, eight minutes to speak, and some of them got 10, and the feature speaker got like 30 minutes, but a lot of them only got two minutes. And, and they would have to step up to the microphone, two minutes to say their piece, and someone would be tugging on their jacket and say, you're done, dude. And uh, so some of them would stand up, and, well, how am I supposed to say anything in two minutes? I don't have enough time. Like, if you got two minutes to say something, use them. Don't whine. Five words. I want to know, and I want you to just call it out. Why is the resurrection important to you? What does it mean? 
Or is it just another day? Go. Get to see heaven. Place in his family. Whoa, Gertrude. Jesus is my Savior. Who else? Our Savior. So I can be free. All right, over here. Who was it? Susan, was that you? What did you? You serve a living Savior. Okay, Doug? Okay. Amazing love. Forgiveness. Strength and hope. Because you wouldn't be here. Everything to me. Lord of your life. Amen. Power and prayer. You can face tomorrow. We're going to sing that. <laughs> Got to sing that song today. Jesus proves it's possible. Good one. In Jesus' presence. Margaret, I'm sorry? Did what he said he would do, right? Jesus is able, that's right. Only way. Only way. <laughs> Goodbyes, it's only so long, right? Goodbye is not forever, that's right. Um, all right. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me. I'm, I'm going to give you an idea that I haven't heard yet, and, and that idea is called freedom. And I would like you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to 1 John chapter 4. Now, we're going to, to camp there for a bit, and, and the message or our thoughts this morning are going to be based on that particular passage, but I want to look at it from the life of Peter, 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading there at verse 13. 1 John chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 13. Now, some of these ideas came out here this morning. That was really cool to hear you say that. 1 John 4, verse 13. We know that we live in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. It's not rocket science. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God, that's Scripture. You can bank on it, even better than the banks. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. And that's where I want to camp this morning. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. One of the realities of life is that I am, like you, a human being. Beyond that, I am a man. And because I'm a man, I am seriously flawed. Right, ladies? 
You know, the man's prayer from the red-green show, I'm a man, I can change if I have to, I guess. My mantra is, I'm a man, stuff happens. And the other one that I've learned to say, I'm a man, I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, because I am a human being, but particularly because I'm a man and because of the way God has blessed me and made me, uh, things frequently come unglued in my life. I have a personal acquaintance with discipline and pain. My father, my mother, uh, knew how to apply discipline. When I was in school, uh, we had this thing called a paddle. I was personally and intimately acquainted with that thing. I have made many trips to the emergency room. I am very familiar because stuff happens. I am very familiar with corners. I used to spend a lot of time in corners. Did you ever get that happen to you? You have to stand in the corner? Yeah, or sit in a corner. I'm very familiar with corners. I'm familiar with closets and locks. My mother used to lock me up or lock me out. My mother used to take me for trips down the hallway to the front door of our house in Holland and threaten me to take threatened me to take me to the cop shop, which was four doors down the street because I had done something incredibly dumb and wrong. And dumb things have happened at work to me. Sometimes I just moved on when things got difficult. Now the result of all that is that I am quite familiar with apologizing. And life still comes off the rails sometimes. And I still wind up at this ripe old age, I still wind up doing and saying dumb things that hurt people, that disappoint people, and that anger people. It just, stuff happens. And I hate it when that happens because when I do something wrong, there's a fear inside of me. And that fear says that you're done with me, that you don't want anything to do with me anymore, and that terrifies me. It leaves me feeling worthless and dumb and alone and useless. And most of us here probably know that feeling. We've all done something dumb. We've all disappointed people. We've all made people angry. We've all hurt other people. We've made messes, we've wrecked things and relationships, and some of us more so than others. Some of you have cried bitter tears about some of the messes that you've made. Sometimes we're able to patch things up, but sometimes just life just breaks, and it's like breaking a piece of pottery, and someone will say, well, if you have enough glue, you can fix it. Well, yeah, but it's never quite the same is it? And so you walk around with this nagging fear. But I think Easter gives us freedom from fear. And I want to take you into Peter's story. You know Peter, he was one of the 12. I like Peter 
I can relate to him. In fact, I think most guys can. Because Peter was a man with a big heart, but also a big foot, and it frequently wound up in his mouth. He was an ordinary guy. When you look at his background, he was a working man, a fisherman, called by Jesus along with his brother Andrew to follow Jesus, and he did. Peter was someone who was fiercely loyal, but he tended to lead with his heart, with his emotions, rather than his head sometimes. And there were incidents that happened in Peter's life. He failed at walking on water. But then again, he was the only one who tried it. I wonder what the other guys thought. You know, maybe when they saw him out there, I thought, oh man, I wish I would have done that. At the Last Supper, you know, Jesus came to wash Peter's feet, and Jesus said, no way. He says, you either wash all of me or you don't touch me at all. And, and Jesus said to him, Peter, you know, there's some stuff you need to learn. In Matthew 26, you know, when Jesus was predicting that his disciples would all leave him, and Peter says, you know what, even if all the other guys do, not me, no way. Peter was the guy who saw an ear and grabbed a sword and hacked it off. And he was a guy that we can understand because sometimes he did and said dumb things. I like that because I'm not the only one who does that kind of stuff. And then you know the story. That trial before the high priest. People said to Peter, you're with him, aren't you? No way. And he denied, threes, or he denied Jesus three times at his interrogation. And the last verse in Matthew 26 says that he went outside and he wept bitterly. How do you fix something like that? How do you undo that? And I wonder, what went through that man's heart and mind? He was destroyed. He was broken. What about you and me? Have you ever done something ginormously dumb? Have you ever messed up? Have you ever done something that you either said or thought you would never do? Have you failed those who believed in you? Have you tried to run away from something that you did or tried to cover up something and failed at it? Did you ever make a promise and not keep it? Did you ever make a vow or a deal with God and you failed to keep it? Have you wept bitterly? You wanted to die? Or to kill yourself. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the reality is that all of us are that guilty. I don't know about you. Peter denied his Lord three times. I've done it hundreds. feel like such a failure. 
What if he doesn't want me anymore? What if he rejects me? What do we do? I don't know what Peter did after that denial. The only disciple that's recorded to be at the crucifixion was John and the women, including Jesus' mom. I don't know where they were. But I know Peter was there at the empty tomb. He and John went running forward, and John outran him, and John stood at the door, and Peter, with his brashness, ran right in. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what the others was thinking. He was probably thinking it's done, it's finished, it's over. Jesus is going to fire me. No good. May as well die. Maybe I should just go back fishing. And he did. And when life comes all unglued, when you do something incredibly dumb, you wind up with this incredible fear that you're going to be rejected, that you don't measure up, that you're no good, that, that everybody else is looking at you and saying that you're, you're garbage, you're nobody, you're a failure, you don't measure up. <sighs> Been there done that I hate it when I do things like that and it still happens you ask Kathy how many times I've had to apologize how many times have I apologized to you in 40 years of marriage <laughs> how many trips huh thousands <laughs> how many trips have I made upstairs to our house to apologize to our girls you know Still happens. But here's the good news. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Paul writes, For what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance. He said, this is primary. If you ever watched Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner, you know that the Roadrunner always gets his stuff from the Acme Rocket Company, right? The Acme Superman Costume Company. Uh, the Acme whatever this. Acme means the peak, the highest point. Okay, it, it's, it's the, uh, as high up as you can go. And this is... This is the acme. This is the primary point of the gospel. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. This is all you need to know. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's it. Now I'm going to read on for a little bit, and then I'm going to come back to Peter again. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, that's his half-brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one 
abnormally born. Here's a little planned trip around the barn. The fact that all these witnesses were still alive when this was written means that this is legally true. In other words, they could have refuted that testimony at any time, but Paul says, he appeared to me, he appeared to Peter, he appeared to the 12, he appeared to more than 500 people at the time. You could have gone out and interviewed those witnesses at the time this was written, and they would have confirmed that testimony. It means that the resurrection was a true event. But here's the good part when we get back to Peter. After that, he appeared to Peter, the Bible says. Now, that's not recorded in Scripture. Jesus and Peter had a private meeting somewhere along the line before he appeared to the rest of the disciples. Now, there was meetings later on, and some people think that that Peter was one of the two who were walking on the road to Emmaus, that village where Jesus They didn't recognize him, and then later on he revealed himself to them. But there was this meeting between Jesus and Peter. And then later on, in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus reinstates Peter and asks him that question, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter says, you know that I do. And uh, and that's an entirely different, different thing again. And Jesus said, Feed my lambs. But there's, there's this private meeting between Jesus and Peter. And we don't have that recorded. But I think I know what happened. You see, Peter had failed ginormously. Peter had failed himself. He had failed his Lord. He had failed his brother's. He had failed everybody else. And I think there was healing that went on and forgiveness that went on in that particular meeting. There would have had to be because Jesus reinstates Peter sometime later. What does that mean? It means that in the resurrection, there is freedom for you and me. There is nothing so bad that you and I have ever done that Jesus and his Father cannot and will not forgive. And because there is that freedom, I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid that Jesus is going to say to me, sorry, dude, you just don't measure up. You're not good enough to serve me. You're not good enough to be part of my family. You failed. And I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't need to fear. And you don't need to fear. No matter what is in your past, and no matter what may happen to you today or down the road, Now, that doesn't give you the freedom. Well, I guess I can just go whatever I feel like doing, and it's going to be okay in the end. But there is a freedom. There is a freedom in the resurrection when Jesus said it is finished, when Jesus said the debt is paid, the resurrection was God's amen to that. It really is done. 
It really is finished. The price has been paid. I do not need to fear. And yes, I still feel dumb when I fail. But I don't need to fear. My mom used to frighten the living daylights out of me as she drugged me down the hallway to the cop shop because I had stolen money or, or done something incredibly dumb. And they always told me that if I ever went to jail, I'd have to eat bread with soap or bread with safety pins. That, that were, that's how they threatened. Isn't that awful for people to lie to their children like that? But you know, the fear in my heart, oh, Mom, I'll never do it again. You know, I'll be good from now on. Never, Mom, please, 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 please. Yeah, about a week later, another trip down the hall. Trips to the principal's office. Trips when the teacher says, go to the next classroom and get the paddle. I knew what was coming. In the closet again, in the corner again. Wait till your dad comes home. Oh, man. I don't need to be afraid. There's freedom. And I, I don't know about you, but that's a tremendous relief to me for someone that's been in trouble. All of, some of you are good people, like, like my wife, and she's never done anything bad in her life. <laughs> well, she used to lie a lot, but I mean, she got over that. <laughs> But, but, you know, for, for, for someone that has done dumb things, there's such a freedom. I can go to Jesus and say, oh, Lord, oh, I made a mess. And he says, yeah, you did. But you know what? I love you anyway. I died for you. And he says, yeah, you may have to face some of the consequences, but you know what? I'm not upset with you. It's forgiven. It's done. It's over. And I find this tremendous sense of relief and this tremendous sense of freedom. And I think if you've done dumb things, you will probably uh, appreciate that. If you've never done anything bad in your life, you might not really understand it. But I think most of us are there. I probably just got caught a whole lot more than you guys did. <laughs> but we've all failed. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us far, fall short of the glory of God and none of us are any better than Peter. And if the Lord restored Peter, if he forgave him, he will forgive you and he will forgive me. And I don't need to fear. I can stand before him and say, Lord, messed up. And he says, yeah, but I paid for it, so come on home. Oh, wow, Father, what a glorious reality. Because he lives, there's no fear. There's freedom. We can face tomorrow. We can face the future. We can face all of eternity because of that one single event in the past. Father, we affirm that. We affirm the resurrection. 
we affirm your love. And there is no fear in love because love casts out all fear. We no longer have to worry about punishment because Jesus bore that in his own body on the tree. Father, grant us that freedom today. Help us to rejoice, to exult in that reality that we have freedom, we have forgiveness, we have fellowship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.